0: Committee on Health of the National
1: Assembly. Um, Before we continue, I am in a bit of a position where we have load shedding in uh, my town. I have driven to Mm -hmm. another town this morning to be able to uh, continue with this meeting. So I'm not going to switch Mm -hmm. my camera on. Be mindful that I had seen the parliamentary uh, streaming uh, unit is also on the meeting platform so those who are able to to please switch on your cameras when you do speak um before i go ahead and 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 welcome our uh the cge i would first make need to make certain that uh, we get our attendance and apologies from ms majalamba
2: morning and thank you chair present is dr jacobs ms kela Mr. Sokacha, Dr. Harvard, Ms. Clark, Ms. Wilson, Ms. Ishmael, Dr. Tembe Kwayo, Ms. Twerua, and Stefan Stalin. I've received apologies from, an apology from Ms. Lengwa. Thank you, Chair.
1: Thank you very much. We also need to hear who is on our meeting from uh, the ministry, uh, our PLO, and from the department, our PLO, uh, Mr. Joe Khatla can uh, just indicate to us.
3: Um, good morning, honorable chair, honorable members. Um, thank you very much. Uh, the chair to this morning we will be joined by Dr. Manala
4: Makua, who's the director on maternal and women's uh, uh, issues. Thank you very much, chair.
1: Thank you very much, Mr. Khatla. Uh, We will also be joined this morning by the Commission for Gender Equality. We will be doing uh, the following presentation. We would all remember that we had two presentations from them last week. This is the third. I think there are four that they had requested. I'm not certain I can be corrected, but Today's presentation will be the investigation into the choice of termination of pregnancy in South Africa. And before we proceed, honorable members, I need to remind you that this virtual meeting is deemed to be in the precinct of parliament and therefore constitutes a meeting of a committee of the National Assembly for official purposes only. In addition to the rules of virtual cities, the rules of the National Assembly, including the rules of debate apply. Members enjoy the same powers and privileges that apply in a sitting of the National Assembly. Members should equally note that anything said in the virtual platform is deemed to have been said to the House and may be ruled upon. All members who have logged in shall be considered to be present and are requested to mute their microphones and only unmute when recognized to speak. This is because the microphones are very sensitive and will pick up noise which might disturb the attention of other members. When recognized to speak, please unmute your microphone and connect your video. Members may make use of the icons on the bar at the bottom of the screens, which has an option that allows a member to put up his or her hand to raise points of order. The Secretariat will assist in alerting the chairperson to members requesting to speak. When using the virtual system, members are urged to refrain or desist from unnecessary points of order or interjections. I've already indicated uh, the presentations which we'll be receiving and the interaction we will be having today. I have asked uh, Honorable Sukacha to assist me in case I do get cut off um, with this meeting to continue uh, chairing this meeting. I'm going to make every endeavor to just move to another spot where there's maybe uh, a better reception. We would have to then see how this meeting proceeds. And then uh, let's also not forget that after this uh, presentation, we will be um, uh, having some minutes. Uh, I think it's about three or four sets of minutes which we would have to consider and adopt. And uh, that would be what we'll be doing today. Ms. Jamela Robertson, I see you have already been made a co-host I'm going to welcome you and your team again. Thank you very thank much you. for coming to do your presentations. You may introduce your team and yourself and also then continue with your presentation.
5: Uh, thank you, Honorable Chair. Good morning, and good morning
6: to honorable members and colleagues. Um, I was looking in the, on the list. I didn't see my, member, my commissioners. And uh, I do know that we have another presentation to another portfolio committee this morning. Uh, so we've been splitting up and some of them are doing field work. Uh, so we will we, we try to attend as best as possible where we can, but I will be um, just quickly show my face. I will be doing the presentation and I will now switch off my camera Honourable chair and project
0: their presentation, thank you. May I check if it's projecting, Honorable Chair? It is, thank you very much.
1: Very clear, please continue.
6: Thank you, honorable members, honorable chair. Um, The presentation is one of our latest investigations uh, conducted in 2020-21. So this uh, is one of the reports that uh, were tabled in March 2021. in terms of the introductions, oh, Honorable Chair, I will not dwell on the mandate as uh, it's something that is just a uh, uh, preliminary information by way of introducing ourselves as a Chapter 9 institution and also yes. with regard to the legal framework that we are operationalizing in doing the work of the commission. And I just put a few uh, national and international uh, uh, instruments that we are operationalizing as we do this work. What I will talk. A little
1: bit. Just a moment. I forgot to say something else to you. I noticed you had 96 slides, and then I requested for you to uh, decrease it because last week, um, uh, we were quite lenient on the time, but unfortunately, we also have uh, settings and other things, other work we have be doing. So I'm uh, I'm going to give you um, 45 minutes to present, and then we will take 45 minutes for questions and answers.
0: Thank you. Please continue. Thank
6: you, thank you, Honourable Chair. The presenting the presentation I'm projecting has about 21 slides. I had gotten the message to to reduce the the presentation, so I tried to shorten it from those 96 to about 21 slides. Uh, So I will take much less than 45 minutes to present. Uh, Honorable Chair, honorable members, uh, on the introduction, Uh, I have tried to just move quickly with other uh, uh, legislation that inform our work, but I want to talk a little bit about the specific uh, legislation uh, pertaining to this current uh, investigation that we have conducted as the commission uh, just to, to note that uh, this act enacted in 1996 and amended in 2008, is deemed one of the most progressive legislation uh, in South Africa, as it relates to women's sexual and reproductive health and rights. And this is because in South Africa, we had recognized that uh, uh, millions of lives were, 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 were lost. Uh, through what we uh, back in the day called backstreet abortion so in recognition of that uh, this law uh, it's one of the motivations to try and 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 have terminations of pregnancies available in the public service specifically in the health sector uh, to reduce the deaths the unnecessary deaths of, of women in 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 uh, backstreet terminations. Uh, however, uh, much as we have seen improvements uh, uh, to date in terms of reducing these deaths, uh, we find that there is still a significant number of women who who actually are still uh, 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 dying uh, in in in. Um, informal uh, terminations that are done outside of the health system. But suffice to also uh, uh, indicate that uh, since the introduction of the uh, surgical um, uh, terminations, we have seen all throughout democracy, we have seen the d- reduction by over 90%, which is a significant uh, a milestone but uh, death of any kind, even if it's one, it's not acceptable if it can be prevented. Hence, we still push for access in the public service as it pers- pertains to uh, 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 this, uh, this situation in South Africa. Um, just a quick uh, a, a glimpse into the methodology just to set context on the findings. Uh, This uh, investigation was uh, conducted on the onset of COVID in 2020. Um, So uh, rather than interviewing uh, people in person, we had to send a questionnaire And we sent a questionnaire to the National Department of Health and also Provincial Departments of Health seeking information pertaining to the variables uh, that are listed here from issues of uh, the number of institutions providing uh, terminations, uh, issues of access, the funding model, the referral system, and and so forth, including our own findings uh, at the bottom. So the limitations basically was that uh, we, 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 we conducted this pretty much virtually, although where information was, was not available through the questionnaire, we were able to call uh, and try to fill the gaps as, as much as possible. So in terms, so the, the way I tried to reduce the slides on the wheelchair was to, to try and, and, and summarize the information across the themes that I have listed in the methodology, uh, and where possible, separate all the institution but as we continue we'll see that uh, we have put uh, the national department separately because the information we got from the national department where, was sometimes verified through provincial uh, information so we i have uh, split the information in that in that manner also because provincially we tended to find common themes across, so hence we we could uh, put uh, the information together and highlight where experiences in this regard are common in the provinces. So in terms of the the, the institutions uh, providing terminations, uh, where we got information, we have provided them there. Uh, from the department, we we got uh, 350. But when you go provincially, you get numbers that don't add up to 350. I think in some cases, Uh, 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 provinces have uh, included private institutions. If we look at um, Mpumalanga, for instance, so when you go to provinces, you find more numbers than estimated uh, 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 from the department. So that that is the reason why uh, the numbers don't add up to um, uh, 350. I thought I should just uh, mention that uh, uh, at this stage. when we uh, asked a question around the issue of accessibility to the services, the department obviously has its guidelines uh, that, that requires that facilities display the services uh, and also implement uh, the, 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 the services in terms of the law, uh, which allows for um, medical abortions uh, from nine weeks, and then you go to twelve weeks, and under uh, special circumstances, uh, tw- uh, twenty weeks, and the circumstances may include perhaps the the health of the the woman, or the 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 you know issues of health and other conditions uh, uh, that may be affecting the woman carrying uh, uh, um, the, the 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 pregnancy to term and and giving birth. Um, some of the, here I've listed uh, information in terms of provinces because you found that uh, provinces like the Western Cape, which is common uh, uh, in different studies, uh, you find that you have better services, uh, you, bet, you have better accessibility, you, you have better uh, uh, situation in terms of the, 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 the equipment or the resourcing of the facilities, so they would uh, report minimal unsafe uh, terminations and and late requests. So they didn't experience this a lot because when we look at the uh, the full report, we will see uh, the numbers that they have as indicated as well in the previous slide. Uh, So the the issues of accessibility are not necessarily a, a big issue although they do ex- exist uh, in smaller towns that can't reach uh, facilities. <clears throat> in the free state, we, uh, or we, we some of the issues we found were that there were issues of challenges uh, for women from uh, towns that are far from the city, like Bloomfontaine, for instance. So you have uh, those remote areas where, where women uh, 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 continue to experience a, a lack of access to services. And again, I, I usually say here that you, you find that it's, it's rural black women who tend to be disadvantaged when it comes to access. And as this uh, a democratic system, those are some of the issues that we're trying to redress uh, but in many in the northwest um in, when we asked the question of accessibility they spoke about you know the the staff uh, the equipment and drugs so the the but there were issues of uh, distances that were also mentioned in the Northwest. But what we picked up as the uh, commission was that if you look at the province, uh, the uh, 26 facilities that provide uh, the the, the services are not enough, especially uh, because the province is also uh, uh, vastly rural, uh, if you like. So you still have uh, those issues where the poor continue to be marginal in terms of accessibility to, to, to services. In housing. again, uh, we, what you would get is, when we talk about access, emphasis was put on issues of compliance with the, with the act uh, and the guidelines that have been provided by the national department. And I think honorable members will remember when I presented last week, the issues of guidelines and, and and you know the acts uh, or the laws uh, that we are implementing. I know we, we weren't all agreeing on this, but the point that we are making as a commission is assuming that service providers are able to uh, 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 follow the guidelines to the T uh, and, and, and be able to say the law requires us to do this. Uh, sometimes we find that that gap exists And we need to keep uh, reorientating our our, um, uh, service providers around these issues. And this is not to say they don't understand the law. Uh, It's one thing understanding and it's another uh, uh, doing. Um, In the Eastern Cape, uh, this is one of the most uh, 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 disadvantaged uh, uh, provinces because again, is the issue of the vastness and the remoteness of areas in this province that uh, pose as a, as a barrier to access, um, as well as the issues of uh, subjective beliefs uh, cut across. Uh, this is an area where, um, Uh, people have different ideas or beliefs uh, in terms of how uh, things should be happening. But uh, obviously, as an entity, we keep reminding service providers that why this act came into being in the country and what we're trying to resolve and and how this act, when it was amended in 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 2008, it was trying to incorporate, amongst other things, uh, the issue of uh, 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 taking a human rights-based approach in providing these services, as well as increasing the number of uh, facilities in provinces. the, in the in in KZN, uh, we were we've, we, it was reported that the facilities that are there were adequately uh, uh, equipped, and there also were uh, uh, issues where some facilities provided 24-hour services, which was a good thing, and there were also reports that. Um, they are, are, are working on increasing the number of facilities in the province because again, uh, KZN is also a, a vastly rural uh, a, a, to a certain extent. So they, they did acknowledge that uh, you still have that cross-cutting situation where uh, women in re- in remote areas are, are, are having difficulty accessing their the, 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 the services um in bumalanga again uh, the issue of access uh, was referred to in terms of uh, trained staff as 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 uh, indicated in the previous slide equipments and drugs and the, also the their ability to to refer uh, complications. So, the, 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 although it, it, in the in the main report you can see that uh, the issues of distances again, similarly with Limpopo. Uh, so these provinces that have uh, are mainly rural. You will always find the issue of distances. In Limpompo, one of the things that we have picked up was the number of facilities, again, given the population of the province, uh, didn't seem to be um, sufficient uh, in in our judgment as we were analyzing this information. In terms of the funding model, uh, uh, Honorable Chair and Honorable members, uh, you find that uh, the department, obviously uh, use the equitable share formula. Uh, but as the commission, when we conduct these investigations, when we are told we are using this particular guideline or formula or whatever, we are interested in seeing the how part of it. But when we don't get the how part of it, we, we, we're not able to, to see whether the allocation of resources uh, 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 are indeed equitable because equitable is different from equal. Uh, so we can't uh, allocate resources equally across provinces when provinces have differences. Uh, this may be there, but at the time of the study, we were not able to find uh, the, 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 the actual allocation so that we can be able to comment on, on how equitable uh, uh, the 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 allocation of resources is. Uh, And as you will see, honorable members, uh, the the thematic areas across provinces again relates to the issue of uh, the equitable shares, uh, as as indicated by the department. Uh, But again, it's the same uh, situation where uh, uh, we, we couldn't see how uh, the, these 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 resources are, are allocated to this particular service and one uh, generally you throughout the provinces uh, you find that the the budget for, for 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 this service is lumped with budget for maternal health services whether it's a reproductive health uh, a department in a province or nationally uh, it comes in one package. And one can comment through other research that this happens with most of the uh, uh, services. Uh, cervical cancer is one of those. So you, you find that we, 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 we allocate a budget in, 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 in a lump sum. So it's difficult to assess uh, whether the budget is based on the needs or of a particular service in a particular province. Uh, so that, that's basically what it is. I mean, there will be variations where some would say like the Northern Cape, uh, they are funded through the district health services budget. Um, uh, others uh, you know, just have uh, what I have just said uh, about the vote, uh, which is part of uh, uh, what is explained in the equitable share, when we look at the details of the report. <clears throat> um, in terms of the referral system, again, uh, the department provides uh, a guidelines where the, the facilities have a referral pathway, which clearly uh, indicates uh, facilities that are providing the service, um, and also how the clients uh, are referred in 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 particular periods where the services are are provided, and however the implementation uh, is a challenge, and I think this is a common uh, thread throughout. That uh, sometimes while we have good laws, as we always say, good guidelines, good policies, a good system. Uh, if you look at the setup of our system in South Africa, health systems and other uh, uh, sectors that we look at, you find that the setup is brilliant, but implementation, uh, is something else. So when you look at the guideline, you find that they are, they are good, uh, but implementation, uh, an example we are giving here, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a woman who came to the commission to complain that she has been turned away from Shawelo Clinic uh, during lockdown. And the reason for turning her away was that uh, uh, we, we only provide emergency services, uh, and the CGE had to intervene and the woman was eventually assisted. So this is just one of the examples where we we may have uh, good guidelines, but sometimes when you get to the facilities, you get individuals who are doing things uh, in a way that is not uh, 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 desirable. Um, And and again, when you look at the provincial uh, 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 findings, Uh, Some like the Western Cape would, uh, you know, as I've indicated, would provide information that indicates that they are uh, sticking to the law and they have various uh, 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 modes of of referral uh, as listed there. They also conduct what they refer to as triage or fast-checking uh, those, uh, those that needs urgent attention, maybe because they are at the uh, last stages of their gest- gestational pr- period, maybe 12 weeks or to, uh, nine, uh, uh, nine weeks when it comes to um, uh, medical uh, terminations. Um, often you find that uh, uh, PHC uh, facilities primary health care uh, would refer their clients to designated ho- uh, hospitals. Some had a booking system uh, where priority was given to women who are in their late uh, stages. Uh, some provinces could not even indicate if they had any guidelines or standard operating procedures for man- for managing referrals. So you had those variations. And the variations really is for, for us, uh, when we assess the information that we had had to do with uh, as people, how we treat. Uh, these issues and again speaking to a situation where we interpret guidelines and laws in different ways. So the listed there are just some of the uh, examples in terms of how provinces use uh, the referral system. Uh, And and obviously for patients up to 20 weeks, they are referred to professionals such as doctors and midwives who can uh, 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 perform such procedures. Uh, including referral using um, the local ambulance services. But in some places you had a situation where people had their own transport and they can just be told where to go, uh, so to speak. As when it comes to patient assessments, uh, again, uh, the department uh, um, provided that general uh, approach into what is in the guidelines uh, uh, but uh, the, the, when we looked at the backlogs and especially when you go to to provinces, uh, you, you, you had to um, we, we have made recommendations in terms of how to deal with this situation of backlogs and so forth. Um, the the department was also aware of the the, the backlog. And uh, this was also uh, verified uh, in in provinces. Um, in terms of the provinces themselves, uh, patients are assessed as listed there uh, when they they come for the service. First, confirming if the. Pregnancy exists and believe you me, Honorable Chair and members, sometimes it does happen that you think you are pregnant uh, only to find symptoms of some other health issues and we have had experiences where uh, pregnancies were not confirmed through the assessment. Uh, You have uh, counseling, history taking, observations uh, 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 in terms of other health issues, uh, the physical examination and of course the consent um, uh, and in some cases uh, the ultrasound. And clients with unconfirmed pregnancies or early pregnancy complications are referred to gynecological emergency services. Uh, Clients received family planning counseling. And and these uh, honorable members uh, is uh, sometimes, uh, I remember back in the years when we were conducting research where in South Africa at least speaking uh, to information that exists, you had situations where some, some uh, clients would say, I can't use contraception because it affects my sexual uh, 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 life, or, or different reasons. And uh, one, some of the education that were provided was that uh, terminations are not a means for prevention. Uh, we need to prevent before we get to terminations. So uh, that's why the service, in some instances, not in all provinces, when we look at the full report, we'll see that some provinces will provide uh, that family planning counseling because it is very critical for our our people to understand uh, 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 how this service uh, should be provided as far as uh, terminations are concerned. Um, In terms of uh, the promotion of the TOP services, and I hasten to explain uh, uh, when we talk about uh, promotion, because questions have come before. Why are you promoting this? Uh, this is promotion in terms of raising, you know, uh, 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 awareness in terms of the accessibility of services, so uh, women don't end up uh, in bad um, uh, uh, temptations, as we put it. So we, we you promote access, uh, you raise awareness around access, and so forth. Um, so the the department at the time of uh, this uh, investigation uh, submitted that uh, it does not conduct uh, it does conduct sorry uh, training for staff members who provide uh, top services. Uh, they have a training a comprehensive training manual and and module three of that manual is uh, <coughs> excuse me. Is, is on uh, the termination of pregnancies. Um, the, uh, in terms of the provinces, they also uh, indicated that they advertise, and this was common uh, throughout uh, provinces, that they, they advertise uh, at accredited uh, facilities, and the advertising may range from having posters Displayed in the in the facility, Um, some have uh, they raise awareness in communities. Uh, They have pamphlets, they have community dialogues, and and this is the kind of common work that even the commission does, uh, uh, as we have a public education department. So sometimes we do work with provincial health uh, departments, sometimes the national department, uh, in terms of uh, providing uh, education uh, to communities. And the, the housing uh, department even uh, indicated that they have this MBILO um, app, uh, which is a mobile communication platform aimed at strengthening the patient care experience across housing. Uh, there is a lot of literature around this app. Uh, But this was not the subject of of this study. Um, You had services where, uh, sorry, provinces where no advertising was uh, indicated. For instance, in the Northwest, uh, we couldn't find information that suggests that uh, awareness around access uh, to services is, uh, is, is provided, um, some provinces like Western Cape and Limpompo had also uh, information in their website um, in terms of public education, I again mean, uh, the, the department uh, uh, pointed out a, a major uh, program that they had embarked. On uh, during the time of this investigation with media houses. And for us, uh, this sounds like uh, one uh, program that should be sustained uh, because if we, we are able to have uh, uh, the media talking about this, raising awareness, uh, uh, you know, providing information in terms of uh, educating the public around these issues. Uh, This will be a a very good initiative. But also attached to that is the question of providing accurate information. Because uh, as we know, uh, this uh, this area of work is fraught with uh, 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 subjective uh, 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 beliefs. Uh, it is critical that if we go through the media, uh, this process is monitored, that uh, accurate information is provided to, to the public. And uh, the thematic areas across the provinces, you have provinces that had pretty much all the provinces, except for your, uh, like the Northwest, perhaps not because they are not doing it. Uh, if they didn't mention it, Uh, in our investigation, then we we take it uh, as if uh, it's not happening, but uh, that's another issue. But radio talks were very common, uh, newspaper publications, uh, waiting room health talks, home visits by community health workers, uh, awareness campaigns, and and handing out uh, leaflets and posters uh, in 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 facilities where some of the, um, the 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 modes that were used for public education uh, in terms of disaggregated data, uh, honourable chair, honourable members, this is a challenge across the nation. One can dare put it that way, because uh, for us as the commission, it doesn't matter whether we're conducting research in which sector sector uh, investigations, legal investigation across sectors, when it comes to disaggregated information, uh, we find that we we don't have a standard manner that says for this particular service, these are the kind of indicators we need to help us monitor and improve uh, uh, should that be a a requirement. So you, you had different ways. Uh, of presenting information when we now went uh, uh, to uh, uh, to provinces because every province had uh, they, it's it's like they pro- they recorded they recorded information in a convenient way for them or whatever tools they have. But what we deduced as the commission is that it seems there's no standard requirement to to disaggregate data, whether it's by uh, uh, by race, uh, by age uh, and so forth. Uh, so that we are able to 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 make decisions based on this information and i think our work as the as the commission is exactly for that to provide information so that the duty bearers can be able to 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 make decisions based on the information, decide where where to focus education, for instance, where to focus in terms of access, where to focus in terms of uh, resource allocations, and so forth. So without disaggregated data that gives us direction, Uh, we are not able to to say uh, things, uh, or especially resources are allocated in a needs-based manner. So in some provinces, you would find information uh, on the destination period uh, that determinations are are conducted. Sometimes you, you will find annual statistics of procedures that uh, have been conducted, uh, some 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 uh, provinces you find a number of facilities performing T uh, O P per district, uh, and so forth and so forth. So you did not have a standard way. Of reporting what is happening in facilities. And across uh, different studies, we always uh, recommend that we need to have uh, standard indicators so that we can be able to, to report in a, in a standard manner where required. We do take cognizance that uh, there are different uh, needs in different provinces. So the the the, the standardization doesn't mean uh, everything should be the same across provinces, but it only means uh, as a, a, a big picture, we should be able to say what we want to do uh, and how we get to make decisions based on the information that we get dis- disaggregated as by the demographics of the people who are getting our services in terms of the recruitment for uh, a top staff and um, the, the department reported that uh, questions for interviews are not standard and are developed in line with specific job uh, requirements and we have made an example there that for instance a, an advert for director women's health and genetics for instance would include uh, 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 those uh, those kinds of questions that uh, assesses if the candidate would be able to perform uh, uh, or promote or access or educate. So the 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 the, the incumbent should be able uh, to have a positive attitude towards T O P services. But if uh, uh, the the job is perceived not. To, to to be related to service delivery in this regard, the questions would be uh, um, uh, excluded. And I think I don't I, I don't remember if I was presenting to this committee uh, when I made a, a, a comment that actually even the CFO, uh, who we usually would say has nothing to do with service delivery, actually needs to understand. Uh, these services, because when it comes to resource allocations, this is an incumbent who contributes to decision-making in terms of where the resources go. Uh, And and again, even provincially, you had a similar kind of situation, but you had a few provinces, uh, and if off the top of my head, I think one of them was the Western Cape, uh, where they would uh, ask specific uh, 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 questions uh, to incumbents, when the, the 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 trend is similar, that they only ask these questions to incumbents who are coming into a direct trade, for instance, uh, that is uh, responsible for reproductive health, or a service provider such as a nurse. Uh, then they would uh, ask. Uh, these specific questions uh, uh, around uh, the the service. In terms of complaints management, um, <clears throat> uh, the, in terms of the national guidelines, each faci- facility should have a complaints and compliments suggestion box uh, uh, to register the complaints of their uh, clients. Uh, and, and they also have um, a situation where pregnant Pregnant persons may register their complaints through the Mom Connect uh, system, which again is an online system. Uh, the seven cases were reported to have been received at the time of this study, uh, uh, and this related to health workers who didn't uh, adhere to the Matupili principles. So. <clears throat> Uh, so we, we we also noted that uh, uh, the department uh, it has uh, they submitted that data of complaints received and resolved in this regard uh, the the you know to analyze the 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 turnaround times and effectiveness of the system this was something that the department wanted to uh, strengthen. Uh, insofar as this service is concerned. Uh, the, the Western Cape, again, as indicated, seems to be the province that is providing more uh, avenues in terms of complaints management from their suggestion boxes to call uh, to call centers and so forth and other uh, provinces would uh, talk about uh, the we follow the bill principles uh we have flow charts uh some would say we have no complaints received which uh, honorable chair and honorable members, uh, when you look at the data in the report and look at the backlogs, uh, you you would um, uh, realize that uh, it, it's, it's not uh, conceivable that you would have no complaints, but we report what we found. Uh, and in terms of the turnaround time, we found that you had a, a range Uh, between 72 hours and 25 days. But more provinces reported 25 days as a turnaround time for resolving uh, uh, complaints uh, than those that reported 72 hours. Uh, Uh, In terms of uh, 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 um, uh, barriers to access to services, um, the department reported that, in consultation with provinces, they developed a national gui- guideline to manage complaints, compliments, and suggestion in public health sector uh, in South Africa. And this was in 2017. Uh, the department acknowledged that the unwillingness of health practitioners to perform TOP services is a barrier uh, in service delivery. As this and this is a, a very very old. Uh, so to speak, uh, find uh, a, a, a situation. Uh, I remember uh, in the early 2000s when we were training health workers on the on the Act uh, 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 when it had been passed. Uh, there was a lot to deal about in this area, and obviously, uh, this is a situation that still exists. And, and we just have to keep educating, educating, and educating uh, in this area. And across the provinces, actually, even nationally, uh, the, the issue of uh, value clarification uh, workshops was mentioned uh, to all categories of staff worker, uh, sort of of health workers. Uh, uh, so the, this is an ongoing, a uh, 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 training that happens to try and reduce this systemic barrier uh, uh, to ex- for for women to access their services. However, as a commission, we are unable to get information to to verify. Uh, what the workshops entailed, because it would be interesting to see what kind of issues are addressed around this uh, 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 when you you talk about issues of subjective beliefs. Um, Similarly, in in, in provinces, while you had provinces like the Western Cape that took it as far as including this in, uh, in, in their HR policy, and make it a guideline that if you if you go against the policy obviously uh, there would be uh, consequences uh, but generally in other provinces you found uh, the issues of unwillingness being addressed through value clarification uh, workshops as was indicated uh, earlier and the issues of inadequate resources, including budget, uh, came in the issue of travel, as I have indicated, uh, unequal allocations of resources. Uh, again, it's uh, some of the barriers that were indicated uh, during, um, <clears throat> during the investigation. Uh, honorable members, coming to our findings, uh, generally, uh, these are our general findings. There, um, there seem to be limited and or no monitoring uh, by the department on termination of pregnancy services in various provinces, and this we concluded because we we saw the way uh, the, the the findings in the provinces came up that you know the each province seemed to be coping the way they know how. And, and one of the things that we, we, we noted was that perhaps the department needs to do more monitoring uh, so that things are aligned, uh, if if so to speak. Um, and, and this we also deduced from the observation that the department could not provide any information Uh, on this service and how it is being managed. So that uh, 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 while the guidelines are there, how they are implemented across provinces, we couldn't get information that verifies that to show that uh, monitoring is happening uh, as uh, as as required for, for for provinces to perform optimally um we also observed the lack of facilities and trained professionals across some of the uh, uh, provinces resulting in backlog and we have given a few examples like your northwest uh, your Eastern Cape and so forth. So these are some of the areas that we need to uh, pay attention to, and uh, the, the remote areas, uh, so to speak, to, to, to ensure that, uh, it, and especially the Northern Cape, uh, it, there, there is like four facilities, if I remember correctly, and uh, we know how vast uh, the province is, and we <coughs> need to pay attention to access when it comes to those. uh, The lack of information and sensitization programs on TOP services to address issues of stigma around the issues, Uh, um, it was observed that in certain districts, regions, or local uh, facilities do not provide uh, uh, the services. And uh, the impact of this, obviously, is that the public is denied access to the service. Uh, we we did find that uh, in some of uh, the provinces. And in relation to second trimester, uh, the, these are limited. Uh, similarly, the impact is that uh, the residents in those uh, areas Mr. are denied access. Um, Mr. Robert Lane? Yes, Chair.
4: I'm sorry to disturb you. How far are you now?
6: Uh, this is it. the second last slide, uh, Chair.
4: OK. You can uh, continue? Yeah.
6: Yeah. Um, yeah, so these were the findings in general. These were the observations in general. And uh, the, some of the recommendations that we made are listed there. And again, it's about promoting access uh, to terminations. Um, to to the the, the record keeping, which is a challenge across, but we encourage that we begin to pay attention to these areas Uh, the recruitment of healthcare professionals who are willing to perform TOP services is necessary. Uh, And we're saying this because uh, sometimes it's difficult to change the, the, the subjective beliefs of people, although we keep educating, but we really need to monitor the people that we appoint uh, for this service delivery. Uh, and, and also the issue of budget, because when you talk about budget, it cuts across allocation equitably, it's one thing, but the availability of the budget itself, it's another thing in terms of uh, allocations from treasury. Um, Uh, The the, the bullet five is just uh, um, uh, uh, emphasizing that. And uh, we also recommend that the department should prioritize and embark on more sensitization programs uh, that would reduce uh, stigma uh, because this is one of the biggest systemic barriers to access to services. Thank you, honorable chair. Thank you, honorable members. This is the end of the presentation.
4: Thank thank you very much, uh, Ms. Jamela Robertson. Thank you very much for your presentation. Colleagues, let me take this opportunity and greet everybody, all the honorable members, um, and greet all the staff from the department and also from parliament, and also greet the commissioners who have logged in. uh, thank you very much, as I've indicated, Ms. Robertson, for your, for your presentation. Uh, members have indicated that they'd like to ask questions. Um, uh, please note their questions and uh, and answer them after the last uh, member has asked questions. I've noted members. The first one is the Honorable Shirwa. Mm-hmm. The second one is Honorable Wilson. The third one is the Honorable Asina. The fourth one is the Honorable Clark. Fifth is the Honorable Gela. And sixth is the Honorable Sukers. Um, the Honorable um, Dr. Sophie Susanna Temagwai has indicated she's traveling. And she has sent through a question to me. I will ask on her behalf the, the question. Uh, is there any other member who would like to ask questions? And if I've not noted you, you can shout over the, um, the platform. Um, can I start, uh, honorable members, with the question of, of Dr. Sophie Susana Um She's asking, the first question is that Western Cape, Eastern Cape, and Northern Cape have no trained city OPs. What is the reason? And when can they be provided with trained city OPs? That is a first question. The second question will be, will the same findings be arrived at? Should the same research be applied to different facilities providing T-O-P-S? That is the two questions from the Honorable I will give over now to the Honorable Shira, Honorable Shira.
2: Thank you very much, um, Chairperson. Uh, I think, you know, most of my questions will be based on the fact that we, if it's possible to get a hold of the report by the CGE, because this presentation that was presented today doesn't really shed a lot of light um, and doesn't suffice because now there's a need to get more details. For instance, I want to know which facilities... Um, because there's over like 4,000 clinics and so on and so forth right in the country but so we need to know which facilities don't don't provide top and which facilities provide top especially because the list of the ones that do is 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 quite a small number as compared to how many facilities we have in the country and number two I also want to know the demographic break breakdown, like of age, race, geography, class of, of, of persons who have issues with regards to access, you know, I, I want to see the picture of which women remain the most vulnerable and, 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 and where they stay and what race they are and what age they are. Um, and obviously this presentation didn't shed light on that one bit. Um, and I mean, there was a, there was a very vague, uh, example on an instance of, of when a case was lodged, um, but we, we don't necessarily know what has been the consequence of that. Like, can we also get instances and examples of when cases were lodged with the CGE? And if they've resulted in, change, in tangible consequences, what is what is the outcome of some of the cases that you guys have done? If that can also be sent in writing, what's the backlog with the CGE on dealing with cases? Um, I, I, I heard the mention of seven cases that were lodged. How many Of those seven, how many were resolved? Um, and wh- how do you think, or rather, what is a better strategy of publicizing information about the fact that uh, the CGE offers this kind of support service? Because I, for one, also get a lot of uh, complaints. I would usually say, share them and work with Dr. Taleng. Who was also commissioned in the CGE to resolve those issues. Um, so if we can have like a report, just a report, just based on the cases that the CGE has dealt with and what the outcomes were, um, because I am sadly getting a feeling that uh, this is not a priority of the CGE. And the CGE is a very important institution, and we all know this. But it's almost as if with serious issues, you know, like your forced sterilization report that you guys did, which was groundbreaking, but you haven't done anything, you know, to defend that report. And now we've got this particular report. I wasn't present in the previous week, um, but we had that particular report on shelters in South Africa. And you've got all these findings that you do as an institution, um, a chapter nine institution, but there isn't anything tangible that we can say, oh, yes, you know, this institution did this and that, like the public projectors. Um, um, um institution for instance that's an example right of, of how far chapter nine institutions are able to go to defend their findings so I, I I also want to know well what have you what have you guys done about this about this particular findings um, and the report but I want to see the report first before I go into detail because but primarily I really feel like the CGE could do much more much more than what they've given us the women of this country. You've just given us reports. You've just given us investigations. There isn't anything tangible that you've done to to change things, to implement proper consequences, to implement proper tangible manifestations of what we envision the CGE should be doing in the country. Um, And so I would kindly like the CGE to share the report with the committee um, and number, and another question, um, What is being said about the issue of innovation, you know, in regards to the NDOH, for instance, some of these referrals don't really need people to go physically to clinics and hospitals, um, you know, why isn't there a recommendation to introduce online and telephonic consultations for referrals? You know, I mean, other countries are doing it and we're still stuck in people having to leave work just to go for a referral and then get there and then have to fill in their name on a list. That's like, what are the innovative methods or recommendations that the CGE? is recommending the ndoh could implement you know to cut down time to cut down inconvenience because another thing that locks women in in, in lack of access is the issue of convenience or other inconvenience if you're going to lose your money for that day just for going to get a referral at a clinic that doesn't even offer top you're most probably not going to go um and so on and so forth and um i think i've said the issue of the fact that the findings that you've shared in the presentation just don't suffice enough because we need more details on those particular things. Like for instance, even the issue of access that it's multifaceted, you know, um, the presentation doesn't explain or give much insight on, on individual cases or instances of how this exactly manifests. It's too, it's too broad a presentation that you've given us in this committee for such an important issue. Um, I can tell you for free that even today, there is a, there's a termination case I have in my office today of someone who can 't get who opted to go to a private specialist because their wait, the waiting list is just too long today I can even send it to you after this whole meeting so you deal with it and uh, I want to know of, of, of the intervention recommend like the tangible intervention recommendations um, i mean you 've noticed some of them and some of them are really important right that that these facilities should be resourced and that all facilities should provide T O P and stuff like that those are those are those are tangible um interventions but but on your part, like what what are you going to do as a as a, as a as a chapter nine institution to see to it that you know the ntoh the minister held accountable as well, um, for some of these issues that you raise that cause you know barriers because now I think an important thing to quite note is the fact that of the statistic that one in every four women who who gets to carry through a pregnancy that they do not want get locked in poverty for the rest of their lives. That's the severity of this particular issue we're talking about, of people getting their livelihoods, their future prospective endeavors and stuff like that, and getting locked permanently. Permanently locked in domestic violence relationships and intimate partner relationships. Um, getting locked up in jobs when they could be pursuing education, but because they are pregnant and couldn't access termination services, getting locked up in abusive family environments and stuff like that. And the most devastating, obviously, going to seek out through abortions. So this is a very important topic, but it did not get the sensitivity that it deserved on the part of the CGE with the presentation you gave us, especially because it lacks the report. So chairperson through you, please advise on how we can get... A hold of the report um, because quite frankly I'm very disappointed with the presentation um, and, and not hearing anything that CJ has done to address these issues that they've given to the portfolio committee despite the fact that, that they are a chapter
4: nine institution. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you very much Honorable Sira. The next uh, uh, member is Honorable
7: Wilson. Thank you Chairperson. <coughs> And thank you to the CGE for your presentation today. I have a couple of concerns and probably more statements than questions, but my first question would be, we have some idea, some idea, because I don't think we have the real idea of how many people are undergoing um, abortions in registered health facilities. Um, they should be on record. We should know how many people, how many women are having them. Um, do we have some indication, and I know this is a very difficult question, do we have some indication or do you have some idea of how many backstreet abortion facilities there are and how many people are actually attending those facilities? You did mention accessibility, and, you know, I'm from Limpopo, where accessibility to decent health um, facilities, uh, just for the most basic of health, let alone um, pregnancies and abortions, is 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 abysmal. I mean, they're just not accessible. Um, And of course, with the rising cost of living and and with great distances that our ladies have to travel, this becomes more and more difficult. And this opens doors to the the backyard abortionists, um, who quite frankly kill and maim and should not exist. The fact remains is they do. And they do because of our inequality of health and our inaccessibility to health. So that is a concern for me. And and on that line, what is the CGE actually doing and and who are they partnering with to do something more about closing the backstreet um, abortionists down and the damage they cause is absolutely, absolutely horrific. The other situation that we face in this country, and I think this affects what we're talking about today, is the incredible, astronomical, mind-blowing, out-of-reality rape statistics in this country. It, it is beyond comprehension the extent to, to which our rape cases have grown. Um, and, you know, when we start talking about a rape every few minutes in this country, we, we should be concerned. I think, however, we're becoming desensitized and we mustn't let that happen. So what is the CGE doing and who are they partnering with to address that situation? Because that situation will also be affecting the abortion statistics in this country. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of women who felt pregnancy as a result of rape or more than one rape who honestly don't want to have the child of a rapist and particularly when it's a man they don't know. And my third issue, and and I think this is one of the most horrific things we've seen in a long time, is the statistics on teenage pregnancies and particularly those between girls between the ages of 10 and 12. The figures are absolutely mind-blowing. So first of all, is there any decent education going around that? Do we have any indication of how many of those statistics are actually as a result of rate, because I suspect a large amount are. And we obviously hear lots of stories about teachers um, involved in sexual activities with, with with their pupils. So if you have any insights on that, I would really appreciate it. But principally, I want to know what we're doing with the backstreet abortionists, what we're doing about education, Um, and what we're going to do about
0: accessibility. Thank you, Chair.
4: Thank you very much, Honorable Wilson. The next person is Honorable Asina. Uh,
8: Good morning, Chair. Good morning, everyone. And uh, thank you for the presentation. Um, You know, I'm partly covered by my colleagues with regard to rape resulting in abortions, you know, in this country. Now uh, to the presenter. I know you have many recommendations, you know, for the National Department of Health. Uh, On that, I just have a few questions. My first question, you know, has the commission presented the studies findings to the National Department of Health and Provincial Health Departments? If so, you know, what were the outcomes of this? I mean, are there strategic um, inputs put in place that, you know, can actually address these uh, recommendations of the CGE? My second question. From all your findings, can you identify or determine, you know, which age groups are usually mostly affected? And if yes, you know, uh please provide this to us. And the reason why I'm asking this is maybe we can zoom into, you know, um our schools, you know, our education system where we can actually have the empowerment there to actually educate uh, you know, our teenagers to what are the you know, do's and don'ts and the effects, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe you know, uh, resulting in a bit more positives on the ground. My third question, I note your report states that all facilities should provide termination of pregnancy services. Now, is your recommendation based on studies due to the demand on the ground? I mean, are you working on current states or are you just uh, stating that, you know, as a matter of right, uh, the services should be provided? Um, I'm asking this, you know, uh, mostly uh, taking into consideration that, you know, we don't even have enough of, of these uh, healthcare workers that are actually empowered to to do the necessary at uh, at point of service delivery. My fourth question: What suggestion can you provide to ensure you know perpetrators in the case of sexual assault and rape cases to account to be financially responsible? I particularly ask this because we know that our current you know economic crisis, and if you're looking at uh, our first because you know usually we always have the scenario that there's not enough money in the budget. So how would you then also recommend or complement, you know, where we can say we can
0: get more funds coming in to adequately address this? Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Honor Ar- uh, Sena. Um thank
5: you Chairperson. Um, I'm not going to put my video on because I have an unstable connection. Um, firstly, um, I would, you know, um, some of my colleagues have addressed um, some of my points, but just to build on to that, um, could you tell me, could, could they please tell me how many abortions are estimated to take place outside of public and private healthcare facilities? In your view, what are the reasons for women going to unregistered facilities? How many babies have been abandoned in the last three years? What is the staff vacancy rate for those who conduct TOP services? What is the breakdown per province? What is the most reoccurring type of complaints that have been received at TOP facilities? Which provinces receive the highest number of complaints, and what is the main reasons therefore? And I also would like to know what would you say we have, you know, you said in the presentation that we have great systems, but they're not being implemented. The implementation is weak. What is your opinion that causes this for the implementations to be weak? How do you suggest we strengthen these implementations? Do you think that other provinces could learn from the Western Cape as you presented Um, in your presentation indicating that the Western Cape seems to have fairly good systems in place and seems to be striving far better in terms of service delivery. Would other provinces be able to learn from um, what the Western Cape has implemented? And then, um, uh, Chairperson, I would really request that the Department of Health come and give us account how they are going to deal with monitoring the the provinces in terms of what has been raised by the GCEs? You know, saying to us that you know the Department of Health have got very little interaction in terms of ensuring that um, that services are provided in a quality manner. So, I mean, you know, they have a role to play and, and we would really like to hear from them what they are, are going to do in order to rectify this current situation that we're sitting in at the moment. Um, thank you, Chairperson. Thanks, Honourable Clark.
4: Uh, Honourable Anna Yeah,
9: uh, Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Let me also welcome the presentation from CGE. Uh, Chaperson, my first question is being covered by Honourable Chira. Uh, the issue of which facilities that are not providing uh, TOPS, uh, but also in their findings, Chair, they have mentioned uh, provinces uh, that are still struggling. Uh, for example, uh, the Northwest and also a free state. The free state is the issue of transport, but also I just want to check each person uh, in those provinces have already, they've already done, uh, they, they've met with the provincial uh, 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 leadership of uh, those provinces and what was their response uh, in terms of responding. Uh, but also, Chaperson, the other issue is that um, South Africa uh, battles with various uh, health conditions, such as a non-communicable disease, as well as a, as well as a maternal and child mortality. So, why should more investment be made for uh, TOP services? Uh, thank you very much, uh, Chaperson.
4: Thank you very much, Honorable Kela. The last one will be the Honorable Marie Elizabeth Sukers.
10: Thank you, Chairperson. And um, it is a long time that somebody has actually called me by my full names. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I, w- I want to, um, I would most likely just um, start by what Honorable Gela has said um, in a last um, comment in terms of the um, costs. Um, I do not know of if, um, you know, as part of the study, there has been made um, a cost analysis of what is the cost of abortion services nationally, and then the breakdown provincially, because it would be um, good for us as a committee to know what the cost is. Um, then secondly, um, we cannot take away that uh, the termination of pregnancy is a very emotive um, subject. And... I think um, the request by Honorable Chirwa around, um, you know, a full report uh, that would provide us with a a picture of, uh, you know, termination of pregnancy in terms of this research and the other elements that pertains to that, um, that it would be good for the committee to um, to see, um, and for for various reasons, and and one of it is that. Some of the aspects that I just want to get clarity on um, in terms of the presentation is one, there there was a uh, mention made of the HR policy, and I think it was the Western Cape that was flighted, that provides um, protection to both the client seeking um, the service and the professional staff who has conscientious objection. It is not clear to me, however, how conscientious objection is accommodated um, from the presentation. And there is a concern to be noted in terms of the the word sensitize and and breach of contract. It seems to me when it comes to um, the termination of pregnancy, that the um, religious sensitivities and the convictions of people which is the majority, I, would, uh, I am assuming, of South Africans around this um, is not um, considered. And it definitely does not come out um, in the presentation that is being provided. There is not just one narrative in terms of the termination of pregnancy. And, it, and I need to emphasize that, Chair, because we live in a country where many people, and especially African people, Um, you know, would have serious conscientious objections to termination of pregnancy. So you cannot just uh, do research from the perspective of abortion as the only alternative um, where a woman um, is having a crisis pregnancy. Um, So the other elements as raised by Honourable Chirwa, obviously from a different standpoint, are very important, and we, it would be very good to see a report that is comprehensive in that regard. So the question is, how protected are physicians, nurses and other health professionals who have uh, or has a conscientious objection to termination? Because what we are seeing here is the aggressive um, narrative that is that, um, you know, abortion is part of, it's a sexual uh, reproductive health right, and that it should be available. But you cannot just look at it within that context. You need to be very sensitive around the other elements that are certainly present. I serve on basic education, and the amount of teenage pregnancies over the last two years, especially within the age group of nine, ten years old, um, has significantly and we are in crisis where that is concerned we are significantly seeing more and more preteens um being pregnant falling pregnant the context within which that happens of course is a different uh, subject but it points again to the issue of statistics as part of that we need to know what are the what is the breakdown of um of uh, uh those that are seeking termination of pregnancy so that we'd be able to, to have a, a, a map um, of how does it look like on the ground because the issue of cost as highlighted by uh, Honorable Chirua is uh, sorry Honorable Gela is one but the second most important is that you live in a country where you have a health budget that is under huge pressure so we need to know the costing of things And I would steer away from the word empowerment as it relates to termination of um, 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 pregnancy because of the softer issues around and softer but hard issues, which is conviction, religious belief and conviction. We cannot steer away from that. And we certainly cannot say people need to become sensitized and children need to be exposed. Um, you know, Or being told about you know, the pros and cons of an abortion and, and spoken about abortion. You can't do it in isolation. So em- empowerment should not be coercion and the constitutional rights of health workers are not considered or accommodated, it seems, in this narrative um, as it is presented today. And I know in most narratives, abortion is, is being pushed as, you know, as a sexual reproductive right and a democratic right and a constitutional right. And yes, of course, um, that is where it stands in terms of the law. But we are not just dealing with the law here. We're dealing with real issues that are on the ground. So it would be good to see how um, this really looks like on the ground chair. And I want to again stipulate that I want really to ask, that we get um, feedback on how is the rights of um, health workers being accommodated, or are people being forced here yeah, um, to forego their religious beliefs and their convictions in order to press this? If we put the same amount of effort, and I want to ask the question, has there been made a, a research around um, education, access to education, as the same um, Is there a research paper around access to education that one of the biggest barriers that we're having in terms of economic development is that? So has there been such a research made by the Commission on Gender um, Equality um, as to how women particularly um, are are having access to to education in order for them to, to, um, to exercise choice in terms of their life? Thank you, Chair.
4: Um, thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Sukers. Uh, that was the last member. Uh, I must confess, Honorable Sukers, when I saw that smile on your face, that's exactly what we're asking every day when we start the day to say, God, please make us to make smiles on people's faces. Uh, thanks when I called all your numbers. It, it was deliberate, yourself and Honorable Sophie, Susanna Temple um, um, Honorable members, um, just one question from my side. I think the Honorable quite touched on one of my questions in terms of the number of trained CTOPs in provinces like the, the Western Cape, the Eastern Cape, and the Northern Cape. She touches me. My, 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 just one question from my side, Honorable Rob, sorry uh, Mr. Robertson, is the issue of the few facilities in the Northern Cape? The Northern Cape is having four facilities. And you have quite uh, correctly mentioned that uh, there are no facilities in far-flung areas. And the Northern Cape is very vast. And, uh, and the Northern Cape uh, has got small areas in very far areas. And there, there, are, there are no facilities. How does this affect the Northern Cape Let's say, Thank you very much. Then I'll give over to you, uh, Ms. Uh, uh, Jamela Robertson, to answer the questions. Over to you.
0: uh thank you honorable chair in terms i think uh, honorable chair
6: as you were adding or emphasizing the first question from honorable sophie uh in terms of the northern cape um This, I think for us as the commission, when we conduct these uh, investigations, because this is an investigation report, but there are also research reports. uh, What we find is what we report, and this uh, relates to various questions around what the CGE is doing about uh, these weaknesses that we identified. Um, As uh, the issues of jurisdiction comes in here, as a chapter nine institution, uh, we, we, we are defined as a watchdog. We monitor the performance of the country. We make recommendations we follow up on the recommendations and excuse me and uh the our establishing act uh, specify how far we can go in terms of follow-up so when we have uh, presented to the relevant entities uh, that uh, oversee the, the 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 provision of services that's where we will follow up what has happened. Uh, this report was uh, produced in uh, March 2021. So there hasn't been a follow-up study in that regard. Uh, but obviously, with all our, our reports, we schedule them in our APP to say this year, uh, after so many uh, years, because you you monitor today, you can't go tomorrow and want to see progress. So periodically we look at our reports and our recommendations, and then we go forth uh, to monitor. In terms of what the CGE is going to do about it, the CGE reports on the performance of the public uh, of the, the the system that it is uh, investigating and then different duty bearers need to play a part collaborate uh, to address those issues as honorable members will see some of the findings don't only need the department of health to intervene uh, um uh, honorable member um Sorry, I I can't find uh, the the honourable member's name in my notes. I was talking about the role of education in this regard. So you can see that as we identify these weak areas in our service delivery, we need to collaborate across departments. When I presented in the beginning, I did indicate that when it comes to education, we also have as a commission, a a, a public education department that works with provincial departments uh, in terms of uh, providing public education. Uh, also to clarify that a report was submitted with a long presentation uh, a, a few weeks ago and yes the report has detailed information that fills the gaps in terms of the presentation as it was uh, we were requested to shorten it uh, and and that you know uh, left a lot of gaps. Uh, uh, in the presentation. Uh, the the question regarding uh, which facilities provide TOP, uh, I have reported in this presentation that the issue of disaggregated data is a challenge across. So if you look at the report, you'll find especially that variable of Disaggregated data, which was part of the study. That is exactly what we were trying to establish. But what we found is that uh, in one province, you would be given a number of uh, TOPs uh, that have been conducted. And mainly when this study was conducted, we were given information from 2018, 19, 19, 20, uh, and 2021 uh, in different provinces. So there are Uh, uh, ballpark figures, in annual ballpark figures, in terms of the the procedures conducted. And when it comes to age, as I was saying, uh, that disaggregated data is intended to help uh, uh, duty bearers in our different uh, areas of work to be able to make decisions informed by the statistics coming out of uh, the work that we do. So in our case, I I mentioned the issue of gender, race, uh, 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 and age as uh, I was presenting, because even when you look through the report, there are no statistics that are broken down in terms of age, but you will find that uh, some provinces would report that uh, when they provide education, they separate under-18s and over-18s and give them uh, different talks. And we, because that was not elaborated in the information that we received, we couldn't comment in terms of what kind of education is given to uh, under-18s and over-18s. In terms of the consequences of the cases that uh, we have identified, the commission Uh, investigates cases that are reported to it. Our act mandates us to do that. So when a, la- a lady from Sh- who was turned away uh, the example I made from the Shawelo clinic reported to the CGE, we intervened in terms of her accessing the service and she was uh, she did access the service. This is just the one example, but in terms of consequences regarding the staff member who turned her away, that now uh, falls outside our jurisdiction. And uh, that's why we're making this report, so that the, 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 the department, the National Department, uh, should be able to follow up on that, uh, should there be issues of consequence management or, or whatever the situation may be, why this woman was turned away. So a lot of these things, the CGE has a mandate to start from here and stop here. And then other duty bearers need to take over and implement. That is why this work and, and many other work that we do it don't require one particular entity to intervene. It requires all of us to play our role so that we eventually see a difference at the end of the day in terms of the interventions
0: that we put in place. Um, The, 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 the,
6: there was a question around, and I think I have pretty much um, responded, but I will just go a bit into detail. The question about, we have all these reports, uh, we have all this work that we're doing, but what tangible results can we can we show as the commission? And again, uh, it goes back to that situation where I, I, I had said our act allows us to do certain things. We intervene where we can intervene. Sometimes we even go as far as subpoenaing entities to appear because uh, our legal investigations, our recommendations are binding, unlike uh, research recommendations, which are, which are not, but we still follow up. And 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 try to make sure that our recommendations are, are implemented. And where they are not, we subpoena departments to account. We also report to portfolio committees and also to departments that we we we, we have uh, um, who are responsible for what we are uh, we are investigating. So and from there we monitor the the, the implementation of our recommendations. For instance, as the commission. We cannot uh, 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 hold a a public service official uh, uh, to, you know, accountable in a sense of disciplining them, uh, if you like. We will surface the problem, and then the relevant entity needs to do all the other work that is remaining in that sense. Um, The issue of innovation, uh, I must add, in reading the report, I don't think we had any recommendations around that. And for me, some of the uh, questions or comments that members are making, it's a note for us to improve in terms of the kind of questions we ask when we when we when we conduct these investigations so that we are able to also make recommendations that are progressive so to speak if you look at issues of technology as i understand the honorable members was alluding to in terms of uh, uh, the issues of referral do we have to send women running around uh, across uh, uh, you know uh, uh, remote areas for services uh, when we can have online uh, uh, interventions. And I have reported in the presentation that uh, in some uh, provinces, you did have referral systems or complaint systems that are online. So this is just a, for us as the commission. I would take this as a recommendation that, as we go or actually we are in the IR four, we need to uh, integrate that in when we when we conduct uh, our 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 research and our investigations. Um, just uh, looking at. Okay. The 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 question of how many women conduct uh, or receive TOP services, how many fa- facilities uh, conduct backyard uh, 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 terminations. Um, this is is. In the statistics, in the report per province, you have those annual statistics that will tell you uh, 16,000, 17,000, 20-something uh, thousands. So provincially, you get those, but you don't get a breakdown of who are these uh, 18,000, for instance, uh, in terms of their race, gender, and so forth. And uh, 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 for, from our side, as the commission, we can't emphasize enough. That's why I use the example of across sectors. You f- we have a problem when it comes to disaggregated data, and and it's hence it's something where our we were saying we need to standardize processes and have indicators that will help uh, uh, service providers to be able to 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 disaggregate and to disaggregate data uh, as we require it so that we can be able to use this data to make decisions including resource allocation decisions and there we we as far as i know as the commission we have not conducted a study that wants to determine how many facilities are conducting backyard abortion. But when when one speaks to uh, uh, other research, uh, and this relates to why women uh, choose to go or are forced or whatever reasons uh, make them go to uh, backstreet uh, terminations. Uh, we, while we haven't uh, done research in this regard, Uh, As far as I know, based on uh, previous research, you you don't get a facility that is established to to, to conduct backstreet abortions. And I think the law and the Department of Health would would perhaps attest to that uh, because I don't think that is something you would do openly. It's illegal and and people are doing it separately. In some some instances, you had certain uh, health professionals, bear with me, uh, honorable members, because I'm making an old example uh, of the 80s where you had uh, health professionals who will do those uh, for women. And back then, of course, uh, there was no uh, law or uh, services were not uh, legalized at that stage. So it's still that kind of situation uh, that back streets are are secret and women go to them for different reasons. Uh, And and some, yeah, many different reasons why uh, women don't want to do this in a public facility. And the the reasons are endless. Uh, Some people don't want to be found out that uh, they have uh, terminated a pregnancy. Um, In terms of who we partner with, uh, actually one can say we have a whole range of stakeholders depending on the topic that we are working on. Around issues of health, including the issue of TOP, uh, we work a lot with uh, both the national and, and provincial departments, as, as, as honorable members have made other examples. And as I've indicated, when it comes to public education, sometimes we partner going to communities to do education. When it comes to uh, uh, investigations, that they, like the forced uh, sterilization, as the member has uh, alluded to, we follow up on the recommendations that we have provided to the department to see that they are implemented uh, by the department, and that has been happening. Uh, in terms of the rape statistics and uh, the statistics on teenage pregnancy, um, how many results from rape, Uh, These are issues that we haven't formally investigated as the commission. But when the statistics came, uh, especially on teenage pregnancy, and we found that even 10-year-olds were were getting pregnant in their tens of thousands, as the statistics have shown, we we have uh, gotten involved and, and put out public statements to say, We really need, there is a need to identify how these 10-year-olds got pregnant because this is statutory rape. and and the perpetrators must be arrested. Uh, But these are some of the recommendations that we make. Uh, Obviously, as the commission, we can not go and arrest, but we will make that recommendation to the relevant entity to look at this. And I think there was an uptake uh, and and, and some discussion in the country around how we deal with these kinds of situations where 10 year olds are getting pregnant uh, and obviously, we know that is rape. But uh, uh, we, we, we we haven't really uh, gone and done an investigation in terms of who are the perpetrators in that regard. Perhaps this is one of the uh, projects that we can conceptualize as the commission and begin to drill deep into these things. But what remains is we will drill deep, get, make our, uh, our findings, make our recommendations and the duty bearers need to, to implement uh, eventually. Um, lastly, if I may uh, perhaps uh, allude, I I'm not defending uh, in terms of saying what's wrong and what's right. We do acknowledge that the issues of TOP are highly emotive and other issues uh, that are happening in the country. And what I said in my introduction when I talked about the Top Act was that the reason for the act to be put in place was to mitigate the unnecessary deaths. Uh, so eventually as a constitutional democracy, we all have the right to our opinions. But from where, uh, where I've been working, Uh, We don't want to force people uh, to do what they don't believe in doing, but we do emphasize that we are implementing the Constitution, and I want to believe, and if you look at uh, some provinces' responses, they talk about appointing people who are willing So you have those situations where people are willing and they are able to understand that their personal beliefs should not be to the detriment of another person. So it's not a black and white situation. You can't put a finger on it and say this is right, this is wrong. We, we, We do the best we can to make recommendations that says, let's recognize uh, uh, people's human rights, uh, but at the same time, we have a right to our own beliefs, as we know, as a country. So that, when you look at the provinces, people deal with it in different ways. Uh, In the Western Cape, they put a policy in place, which of course uh, is is deemed harsh, uh, but perhaps their context uh, required that, they do that, uh, and and the, the the detail in terms of that uh, is something else. Why did they have to put it in a policy? What prom- uh, prompted that? Why are other provinces just settling for doing value clarification uh, workshops and put the case forward for health workers to see why this is necessary? And are uh, also in the presentation indicated that TOPs are not the alternative for 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 for, for, for uh, uh, family planning. That's why you have some provinces conducting family planning counselling because eventually that these are the last resort to save women's lives uh, because they were dying unnecessarily. So, um, honourable members, I'm trying to to to. Um, clump the questions as they came. Uh, Honorable Clark has asked uh, quite a few questions uh, in terms, some related to the, you know, the breakdown of information, which I have spoken to as I was talking about the issue of the lack of disaggregated uh, uh, data. But when it comes to um, the, you know, why is there a, a, a lack of services, uh, especially as as it pertains to uh, access in terms of distances. And I I, I know honorable members have expressed that that agreement that, uh, yes, we do have a problem with that. But the question of what are we going to do about it, that is why I was presenting that these are the issues where the duty bearers need to make improvements, especially in the Northern Cape. Uh, we need to look at that situation and make sure that we try and 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 limit uh, the, the 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 excess problems in that province. But yes. It, it, it speaks to that things of, of analysis. Uh, one honorable member spoke to the, the, the anal- budget analysis. And when we were talking about the funding model, I did explain how you, you people know they get a vote fund or the the, the the equitable share, but you don't get the detail, which we keep saying, uh, we need to have that analysis so that we allocate in a needs-based a a manner when we allocate budget. But then these are things that were within your departments like Treasury, the Department of Health, negotiating all those kinds of things to say. When we allocate budget, being cognizant that as a country, we have limited resources, but how do we allocate in a way that responds to needs so that those who have been previously disadvantaged don't continue uh, to be previously, uh, to, to continue to be disadvantaged. Um, the Western Cape, uh, honorable members, I I agree that it's one of those pockets of excellence in the country. And uh, it would help uh, for, for the Western Cape to be emulated. But we, we also need to remember that uh, sometimes Provinces perform better because they, they have better resource allocations. So for instance, if you want to take Limpompo and say emulate the Western Cape, you will find that Limpompo, when it comes to resources, is not able to do that, which is where now we need to say, how do we uh, ensure that uh, Limpompo is able to perform with respect to that budget analysis and also informed by the population needs of the, the province. Um, the issue of access to education uh, in relation to, to, to this matter, I, I think the, 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 the education, I mean, in my presentation, I think I said education times three, uh, because we know uh, the issues of TOP access affecting the poor and uh, it, it's all historical and related and and i, I keep saying in this democracy we're trying to, to 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 address that we're trying to to you know to to minimize the inequalities and again of course uh, we we educate at the level of community education and obviously you have the school system the education system that plays its parts uh, in that regard as we gradually try to inform people so that we as a country, we don't find ourselves uh, with a problem like this. Uh, I don't know in how many years, but that's where we are trying to go uh, in terms of educating and empowering women economically uh, so that, uh, because we do know that contributes, Uh, it's not the only, it's not a cause and effect, but it contributes
0: uh, to this situation as well. Um, Okay, lastly, the issue,
6: I think I've addressed whether uh, health workers are being coerced uh, regardless of their uh, beliefs in terms of faith. Uh, And I have indicated how different provinces are doing things uh, because yes, this is an emotive uh, situation and people, uh, we have guidelines, we have the law, uh, we have issues of of equal human rights. we have the the notion that my personal convictions shouldn't shouldn't be uh, and, and to, shouldn't be to the detriment of another person so balancing the skills there uh, is something that we need to work on so that eventually we don't uh, derogate uh, either the right of the health workers or the rights of uh, patients who need. Uh, this service. Uh, Honorable members, I think I've come to the end of my notes. Uh, I should confess that uh, sometimes the questions were coming too fast and as I was noting, I may have missed some. And if that's the case, I will will appreciate if I may be uh, reminded which questions I didn't respond to. Thank you, honorable chair and honorable members.
4: Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable uh, uh, Robertson. Sorry, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Jamela Robertson. Thank you very much for your responses. There are just two quick follow up questions, two quick, short follow up questions. One is from the Honorable Sukars, and the other one is from the Honorable Shirwa. Honorable Sukars? Yes, Chair. Um,
10: Chair, thank you, and thank you to um, um, to to uh, for the for the reply by the commission, I I uh, did not hear at all. Um, I just uh, went back to the communication that we've received around uh, the presentation today. Um, I received. I think it was a two-page. Um, I don't know if that is the report that is being referred to. So if we can just get clarity, if that is the report, um, or if there is a report that I may have missed. But the report that I have um, basically focuses on. Um, the um, the the scope of, of the investigation, and I want to and the scope of the inve- investigation it seems is to look at the promotion of termination of pregnancy, which in itself is problematic, um, because the whole issue that has been raised by the by the different um, members here is it the issue around seeing termination of pregnancy. Within the context of the health basket available to um, South Africans at large and specifically to women. So it is important to understand are we is what was the aim of this? Is it not just the accessibility of service, which forms part of um, the scope, but also the promotion of termination of pregnancy? Because if you if you are saying that is the standpoint from which you are doing the investigation then what I am saying is the gaps around the holistic basket of services when it comes to termination of pregnancy, which is the pre- and post-counseling services that are non-existent, Um, certainly this um, investigation should have that as a part of it because it has to do with the holistic services to the person seeking termination of pregnancy. That is number one. And number two is the fact that um, abortion doesn't just happen and the woman gets up and there she goes. And I certainly know I'm not under, uh, uh, um, sorry, um, undermining the commission here in terms of saying this, but I'm saying it in terms of a study like this or an investigation like this needs to provide um, service with, uh, with those elements of spiritual, emotional impact of abortion um, to be also included. What is the impact of it on women? And because it has an impact on women, what is being done in terms of the services to ensure that the spiritual and emotional needs of women, when they have undergone such a drastic um, 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 action to terminate a pregnancy, is, is that they are actually looked after. Because I can tell you it's not happening. So we cannot look at abortion services, excess and promotion of it just in isolation, you cannot. Not in a cr- country where 70% of people are Christian. You cannot. And, and you, you certainly need to then um, ensure that the full basket of services are there in order for women to be looked after. And I'm saying to you, and I'm putting it to the commission, it is not, and it is definitely not clear from the standpoint or the scope of the, that the commission has taken. Secondly, the, the issue of incongruence here, how can we say that a child um, falling pregnant, um, there should be criminal prosecution and at the same time advocate for choice when, we come, when it comes to basic education and comprehensive sexuality education? We have a problem in that we are dealing <clears throat> with, with issues in isolation and not dealing with it holistically and together. And it would serve well for the commission um, to please take note of these issues, because these issues are not coming. It comes from us being on the ground in our constituencies, working in the different communities that we are working in. It would really we really need to note that you cannot the the issue of um, teenage pregnancy or preteen pregnancies is a major crisis that we are facing. You cannot tell children on the one end that you cannot have, that it is criminal um, and to the people who perpetrate these things. And at the same time, say to children at the same time that, you know, sexual rights um, promote that. You need to decide which standpoint you take. And the point that I want to make is that you need to make allowance for a value based approach to all of this. I have a serious concern with the with the with the standpoint made by the presenter in our answer. Belief is a human right. It is problematic statement by um, the presenter to say that you cannot, it's not either or. It, in, in fact, it must be both. You must protect the health worker. And it's a problem if the Western Cape is making it a breach of contract for health workers. I want to make that point, Chair. Then the, then we need to take it up um, with the Western Cape provincial um, department.
4: Thank you. Thank you, thank you, Honourable Shukurs. Honourable Members, we are running against time. Uh, Honourable Shiva,
2: Thank you so much, Cheperson. Um, I think uh, I, I, I don't want to let this manipulation that's done on the committee by the CGE to go um, without being taken up. The CGE must not pretend that they're like a, an NGO that is tied, that can't do anything about the reports and the investigations that they do. You're a chapter nine institution. Um, part of your responsibility is also public education. I asked you questions pertaining to that. You're not shedding light in the way that you should. Number two, you also have the op- op- option of exploring the opportunities that are that are held in our justice or criminal law system. You can go for litigation. You have not done that. I'll give you examples and instances where you could have done that. For instance, with the fosterization issue, you could have easily taken the age. The, the to the concord or going through the process of taking them to the concord because they have not implemented any of the recommendations that you did. This is two years ago. As a chapter nine institution, you do not defend those recommendations. Number two, you come up with findings that children are falling pregnant and that there's a high probability that they are being raped and that this must be investigated. This is not being done. Again, as a chapter nine institution, you're not doing anything about it. You're waiting for them. The people that you should be watchdogs over, you're waiting for them to have a change of heart even though we've known this for decades on end, that South Africa has an issue and a crisis of rape, you as a Commission for Gender Equality that's entrusted with ensuring that women in this country are protected, you have not done anything about it. So as I'm asking you, what are you doing with the reports that you have? Which ones have you taken to court? Which ones have you held ministers and their departments accountable for the work that they are not doing? They're not an NGO. You are a chapter nine institution. If you don't know your functions, check your peers, check what's happening in the office of the public protector, check what's happening with the AG, check how they're taking cases to the SIU and stuff like that. So you cannot pretend or maneuver to behave like an NGO when you are not an NGO. You're a chapter nine institution that should hold these people accountable, not just write reports. So that's why I'm asking that even with this particular thing, What are you going to do about it as a commission for gender equity? Noting that people, women, are not getting access to termination of pregnancies, even though it's their primary right. What are you as the CGE who has done these findings, who are going to do all these recommendations? Going Because we know for a fact the NGOH will not implement your recommendations. So you as the CGE, noting your history with the fact that your recommendations are never implemented by ministers and departments, what are you then going to do to ensure that they are like other chapter nine institutions are doing in this country? Please, you can't behave like an NGO in this country. And maybe it's the problem of the current leadership. Maybe the current crop of leadership has too much allegiance and loyalty to certain factions, to certain political parties, to certain leaders in the, in, in, in the country. We can't afford that. The women of this country can't afford that commissioners have allegiance and loyalty to people and not the women of this country. So if the issue is leadership, it will also start showing very soon because other institutions are doing what they're supposed to do and you're telling us about jurisdiction. What's stopping you from going to the courts? What is stopping the CGE from going to the courts?
4: Please don't manipulate us. You're not an NGO. Thank you very much, Jefferson. Thanks, Honorable um, uh, uh Miss Jamela Robertson, can you please respond to these two last questions? There's also a, a note that uh, The Honourable have sent me to ask who has requested the investigation. Please just touch on that as well. Thank you very much. Uh,
0: Thank you, Chair. I'm just noting the last question. The investigation. Uh, Thank you, Honourable Members. Um,
6: One has to acknowledge uh, that this is one of those difficult areas when it comes to the work that we do as a commission. And obviously, honorable members have highlighted that it is an emotive uh, area of work, and specifically noting that belief is a human right as well. And I think uh in my previous response, I, I suppose I was trying to speak to this when I say you we that the the law is there, uh, uh the services are there, we're trying to reduce maternal mortality as a country because unnecessary deaths were happening. But uh, some of the issues really uh for for, for me it, it's it's a debate. Uh, that can take, you know, that actually I would say is a debate that we must continue until we find each other. Because at the same time, uh, it sounds like a contradiction, but uh, the the services uh, need to be uh, rendered to address the problem that we have. How we do it, how we, we, we recognize the rights of providers and patients it's, it's, some, it's a dialogue that we need to continue with uh, as a country, actually, uh, and across sectors. Uh, I keep saying, because uh, like I said in my presentation, this is not the kind of work that can be implemented by one entity and one entity alone. So it's just to acknowledge that much as the investigation looked at the issue of access uh, as per the, you know uh, as per the, the 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 list of variables that i started with when i presented the methodology those were the elements that we looked at and the idea was uh, uh, to see if the act is being implemented as it should uh, you know when when we i don't want to put
0: Sorry for that. I don't know
4: what is happening. You can continue, Ms. Robertson.
0: Yes, thank you, Chair.
6: Um, Yes, I was just trying to emphasize that as the Commission, uh, we investigated the issue of access because we wanted to see how far the act has been taken. And I think uh, prior studies were done uh, 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 before my time in the CGE, but this was uh, one of the uh, studies where we specifically wanted to see how access is happening in as far as the law is concerned. And this is not to say when we look at access, uh, we look at it as if it's in isolation uh, regardless of other factors that contribute to the issues of factors, as I have presented the barriers. It's it, it, it just that when you do an investigation of or, or a, a research, you have a criteria and, and sometimes you can't cover absolutely everything. Uh, the variables that I listed at the time of this study, this is what we wanted to look at. And I emphasize when we talk about promotion, I said that before, that it's not promoting uh, a TOP as as uh, the first step. Uh, to preventing unwanted pregnancy. Uh, That's why we have family planning uh, counseling in some of the provinces where they have uh, uh, enough resources to do that. So it all boils back to the issue of uh, 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 resources. So this is I know in the early 2000s, one of the initiatives taken by the Department of Health was to promote comprehensive health care in in, in primary health care services. And that has happened. But again, it's that question of some things are still falling through the cracks. Uh, And when we do a study in this area, we pick a topic and an issue that we need to focus on. And like I said before, some of the comments that are coming from the honorable members, are, for me, I'm noting them as recommendations for improving the way uh, uh, we, we do our work, because there's always uh, room for improvement. In Point terms of order, of... chairperson. Okay. OK, Honorable Chair
2: um, Chairperson, I'm very sorry to be doing this, quite honestly. Um, but my first set of questions were not answered. And now my follow-up question is not being answered. I just want to know, what's stopping the CGE? from pursuing the route of going to the courts like other chapter nine institutions when their recommendations are not being implemented? Can it not be a vague response to my question, but can it be answered that we are not going to the courts because number one, we don't have money, number two, this and this and that, so do we know why the CGE is not doing its job as a committee?
4: Okay, thanks. That's my that question answer. Thank you very much. Okay, you can continue, uh, Ms. Robert so please just touch on the issue of why don't you not go to court uh,
6: thank you honorable chair um i think uh, the first uh, set of questions uh, hopefully uh they were from honorable sukus i hope uh, i have covered that sufficiently uh, honorable shira uh, i in terms of litigating I do know that there are cases that have been litigated, not necessarily the forced sterilisation or or this particular one, and I do know that in the in 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 our APP uh, for 2022-23 there are projects that uh, for litigation. Uh, So there are certain, maybe, uh, uh, cases that were not litigated and were in the public eye, and I'm not trying to defend, maybe we're not doing that enough, uh, and we need to, uh, hence, uh, there was an effort uh, planning uh, going forward that there are some uh, cases that we have done where we need to litigate uh, in that regard, but I know in the past, uh, much as I, ca- I can't, uh, off the top of my head, uh, say this case and that case and that case, but I do know the CGE has gone to court uh, on certain cases. Uh, and and last year when I joined, there was a case uh, where we were going to court uh, uh, around issues of uh, uh, of maintenance uh, and other uh, projects. So I, I don't want to sit and 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 antagonise. Uh, we take the recommendations. We we, we take uh, the inputs. Uh, perhaps we're not doing enough, uh, the, the, but we do do what our act direct us to do. I have indicated that we subpoena departments uh, in as far as. Uh, if they don't uh, uh, implement our recommendations. Uh, we do have a public education department in the CGE where we, 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 we partner with different departments depending on the topic of education. So these are some of the things that uh, uh, we have. And in, in, in terms of uh, why uh, the issue of 10 tenure roads are not being investigated, I know we got these statistics sometime Uh, mid or late last year and again uh, this I have noted and indicated that perhaps these are some of the projects that we need to follow up on uh, uh, in terms of um, uh, uh, looking at why this is happening because we know if a 10 year old is uh, uh, pregnant uh, it's statutory rape uh, eventually, uh, but there was also a, a, a comment saying we're saying statutory rape and on the rape, and on the other side we 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 promoting sexual and reproductive rights. And again, it's one of those things where a balance must be struck, uh, basically, because yes. A 10-year-old cannot, you can't say a 10-year-old has given informed consent. And that is just by the nature of how we we judge uh, situations as people, not only in this country. A 10-year-old can't be said to have given consent, uh, but at the same time, when we promote sexual and reproductive health the education itself we have the law that says you can consent at a particular age but the main situation around sexual and reproductive health it's about uh, people both men and women being able to, to to make decisions about their bodies and be able to access the services that are provided in the public service. So we we, we, we need to strike a balance that when we talk about sexual rights, we're not saying 10 year olds uh, can consent on sex. Uh, So that's how I would look at the matter. Hence, this is not a very easy uh, area uh, uh, to deal with because it has a lot of what would be seen as contradictions. When when, when you look at the situations, you will see why things are presented the way they are. Thank you, Chair.
4: The Chair has already appeared on the screen. My um, time is up. Ms. Jamela, just one clear clarity, because Ms. Sukar, Honorable Zucker is insisting that you have not responded. Who requested the investigation?
6: Oh, oh, sorry. Uh, sorry. Um the, the investigation, uh, Honorable Chair, I, I would have to, if you allow me, uh, because I read the report which was initiated, and I'm sorry I'm not trying to make an excuse, uh, it was initiated before my time, but what prompted it, uh, I'm not sure yet, but I can provide a written response in that regard, because that's not an issue I have looked at, though with some uh, reports I, I had, uh, uh, it had indicated why it was uh, uh, initiated. So, in Honorable Speaker, ma- allow me to do that.
4: Thanks, thanks, uh, Mr. Roberts. That's clear. You will have to check on it and come back to us uh, in writing to indicate uh, what is the origins of this investigation. Colleagues, the, the report uh, was emailed to, uh, to all of us on the 3rd of March uh, with the presentation. Just, I just want to indicate that. Uh, once more from my side, uh, Honorable, uh, sorry, Mr. James uh, uh, Jamela Robertson, thank you very much for, your, for for the report. Is there any conclusion remarks that you would like to make? On my side, Honorable Chair.
6: Yes. Uh, Just to thank the committee, uh, because for us, uh, we we feel that when we are able to be given platforms to present our results, uh, it it, it is support, uh, because we're giving you the information that will help the committee uh, as best as possible to to intervene uh, where necessary. So thank you very much for inviting us. Thank you.
4: Thanks, thanks, uh, Miss Robertson, uh, colleagues. Um, the chair, already, uh, 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 she was already on the screen. Is back. Thank you very much, Honourable Chairperson, for the opportunity, and would therefore like to uh, give you back your meeting. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you very much, Honourable Sukacha, for managing that meeting so well as a chairperson. I've been able to listen intermittently. <clears throat> as I was moving between two towns, trying to stay on the system. I think just before Ms. Robertson goes, and I've heard you giving an opportunity to give a concluding remark. I think uh, as the chairperson also, I'd like to maybe just reiterate what was mentioned by some of the members, that uh, the CGE being a chapter nine institution should have more, more, more bite. Uh, in terms of uh, many of the uh, issues which they deal with. And number two, that um, from what I've listened from the honorable members, there are many questions and and, and suggestions and uh, on the study that was done and that the study does not necessarily reflect uh, many of those points which they had raised and that you do well for Mr. Robertson to note those points, and I would just, and I, you know, I would, I, I'm sorry, honorable Sukacha but I have, would have to say this: it is, it's an indictment against us that we have nine to ten year olds becoming pregnant, and
0: that we talk about uh, consent, and we talk about, and we talk about uh, criminal
1: charges. Uh, A number of years back, you'd never, ever have heard this. So when one thinks in terms of human reproduction, then something is seriously wrong apart from society, that nine to 10 year olds can become pregnant. But at the same time, when these young girls become pregnant, it could necessarily also mean that the boys can father those babies much earlier now also. So in terms of human reproduction abilities, it doesn't necessarily mean that those who impregnate these children are adult men or are older boys who could be culpable of, uh, possibly culpable of statutory rape. I would ask Ms. Robertson that you really look into this more, much more in depth so that we can, would be able to take our society forward. And I started off by saying this is a serious indictment against us as a society and, and as a country that we are facing these challenges. So I employ you as the chairperson within uh, the uh, uh, powers which are given to you as a chapter nine institution that you maybe broaden the scope of, of that study or have a new study with regards to this. So thank you very much for coming to do this presentation. Honorable members, we are going to move on to our next uh, project, and uh, you're very welcome to lead the platform, Ms. Robertson. Um, if you so wish, we will continue, Honourable Members, and deal with some minutes which we need to consider and adopt, and then we will be talking on the study to Thank you very much. Honourable Ms. Majolamba, would you be able to flight those minutes for
0: us, please? Thank you chair um, thank you honorable members goodbye Bye Honorable members there we have the minutes of the 15th of February page 1
1: have a look to see whether you had been uh, noted as being present and if you had apologized on page two. And then we see the, uh, the support staff and the Department of Health representatives. We can move to page three. Uh, we noted uh, the three stakeholders, Afri Forum, African Communist Party, on the NHI
0: public hearings. Anything on page three? Page four, and you will have received these minutes, honourable members. Page five, page six, page seven, and page eight noting that the meeting recording is available on request. Can I ask for a mover to adopt uh, these minutes? Anyone to move adoption minutes? I so move that we
4: adopt the minutes.
1: Thank you, Honorable Kacha. Any seconder? I'm
9: seconding, chat.
1: Thank you, Honorable Gaila. Minutes of the 16th of February, 2022, page one. Again, are you present? Have you been marked present? And page two, if you had apologized. Page three. We see we have this American Committee of Medical Deeds and the hall. Page five. Page six. Page seven. That's the last page. honourable members, can I ask for somebody to move for adoption of these minutes?
9: Chapassi. Yes. yes. I move for the adoption of the minutes.
0: Thank but, you, Honorable
9: Gaila. Um. There was a question that was asked by Honorable uh, Philip uh, of um Um, The document, whether they've been banned, um, they were also affected during uh, the banning of parliament, which you have indicated that will get response. But also, I want members to note that um, it it is also captured in the minutes. Um, So that for uh, honorable members to note that because honorable Ishmael keep on asking so I wanted just to 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 say that chairperson, but also can emphasize more, so that members must not be worried. Uh, our, our 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 information regarding the NHI, it's safe, Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Orangela. honorable Ismail, you raised
1: your hand. Thank you, chair. I just wanted to
8: respond that. Uh, at the day of the day's presentation, you know, I think you did send us the edited minutes of uh, the 15th. So thank you. I've noted it already there. I did send a, a thank you email to you as well, our secretary. Thank you, Chair.
1: Thank you very much. Mr. number please, uh, the next set of minutes, if you can flight it. Program members, the minutes of the 26th. Page one, are you there? Page two, if you had apologized. Page
0: three. Page four.
1: Page six. Page 7. Is that page 8, the last one? Can I ask for adoption? Somebody to move for adoption of the minutes,
4: please? Chairperson, I move for the adoption uh, of the minutes. Or the somebody okay. before that? I can hear somebody. Sorry, Chair. Before
2: the adoption of the minutes, there's a typo on the date. It says 22nd. The minutes, there are the minutes of the 23rd.
0: Yes, That's,
1: you
4: are correct. Okay. Thank you very much. i correct. Thank you, Chair. With, with that correction, so, Chair, I move for the adoption of the minutes.
1: With the correction, Honourable Succaja of the date. Thank you very much. Any second for that for the adoption of those minutes?
0: I'm seconding, Chair. Thank you very much. do we have the last set? of last week. Honorable members,
1: we have done very well on our minutes. We must compliment the uh, staff that we are so on time with our minutes as a committee. So this, this is the last set of minutes before today's meeting, second of
0: March, 2022.
1: Please note whether you have been uh,
0: noted as present or having had to apologize. Page three. Page four. Page five. Page six. Page seven. Page eight. Any mover for adoption of these minutes? Chairperson, I've got my hand up.
1: Uh, I'm trying to see hands where I am now. Let me see. Yes, Honorable Clark.
5: Chairperson, just a correction on the minutes. Um, In terms of the attendance, they've put a member Guarube's name in instead of mine. Yes. They could just fix that up, please, Chairperson.
0: Yes, I'm certain
1: the Secretary will correct that. Thank dilemma. you. Thank you. So before we then do adoption, with the amendment of the two names which will be exchanged, anybody to wants to move for the adoption of the minutes of the 2nd of
0: March? I'll move, Chairperson. Chairperson.
3: Okay. Yes? I said I'll move forward option, Chair.
1: Thank you, Honourable Van Staden. I think that's your voice. Thank you very much. Very very Secretary. And Mr seconder? I'm seconding,
0: Chair.
1: Thank you very much, Honourable Gela. Honourable Members, that brings us to the end of the minutes. We are uh, Ms. Maja Lamba. Maybe you can inform me, uh, since I was running up and down. Uh, Apart from the study tour, is there anything else that we were to have discussed?
7: No, sorry, Chair. Sorry, Chair. Honorable Wilson, there's one issue I'd like to raise, please.
1: You may raise that issue now,
0: Honorable Wilson.
7: Um, Thank you, Chairperson. Chairperson, it's, it's been two years now since we've been basically holding virtual meetings um, for the portfolio of health and um, it's been made abundantly clear to all of us that there is now more than sufficient space for portfolio meetings to be actually held on the precinct um, in cape town can we please make arrangements for the start of the next term to have one-on-one face um, meetings in committee rooms in cape town it really does make a very big difference i thank you chair
1: Thank
0: you very much. Your
1: hand is also raised.
5: Thank you, Chairperson. Yes, I have to echo um, what my colleague has said. Um, I also raised my hand to discuss that very aspect. Now, I also think in terms of teamwork, I mean, I take myself, I've never, you know, I haven't met the team of this committee as yet and i think it would in in terms of team spirit as well it would also be great that we work that we meet in person i mean the rest of the country is back at work and i think i'm um, you know us as leaders should be really um following that pursuit
3: thank you very much Chair.
1: thank you Honourable
3: oh, thank you very much as i want to echo uh, other colleagues uh, yeah points of raised in this matter. I think we were the first committee that when the level five lockdown started, we set the example to go into hybrid uh, um, or this Zoom meetings to show the country that we are responsible. And uh, I think we must now take the liberty on us to be the first committee to go back into a normal meeting we know what's going to happen in a few weeks' time or what the, the president is going to be announced. We are waiting for that family meeting, and I think we must take a lead in this situation. The numbers is down, the deaths is down. We are going, the whole world is going back to normal. I see in Britain, Denmark, and all those other places, even in the United States. And I think we as a committee must take, must, must take a lead in this example, and uh, I think we must start with our ordinary meetings. Thank you, Chair President.
1: Thank you very much, Honourable Members. Honourable Members, there has been an issue raised about uh, physical meetings.
0: Are there any other members who would want to speak on this point? Captain, I think you will check uh, whether,
9: can we go back uh, physically as portfolio Committee uh, I hope all members have already vaccinated when you want us to meet a, a physically. We must lead by example. All of us, we must be vaccinated as health portfolio committee members so that at least we can give the country the confidence that we lead by example. As members are saying, let's go back to Parliament and have a physical meeting. So in that regard, I think we'll hear from you, whether do we have a venue that we can have um, to attend a physical uh, in parliament. Thank you, Chair. Thank you Chair, very I
4: much. Wanted, I also wanted to second what Honorable Gail said in terms of the venue and, and all those things, nitty gritties and so on.
1: Thanks, Chair. Thank you. Honorable Ismail, I see you raise your hand again.
8: Thank you, Chair. I just wanted to put my five cents in to say I totally agree that we should be meeting physically. It's about time, you know, uh, everything goes back to normal in the country. However, I do object to uh, what uh, Honourable Kela has stated. The country has not reached any decision. There is no uh, decision on mandatory vaccines taken as, as a country. And I think that uh, statement is actually, you know, unconclusive and shouldn't be actually be used as a mandate to say every every member should be vaccinated to to, to be able to attend the meeting. Um, I I agree that everybody should be attending physically and I want to attend physically. I think we all want to get back to normal, uh, but uh, that is uncalled for and uh, that is, should not be a stance of mandatory, um, especially since the country, uh, you know, no, no, there's been no proclamation to say that uh, South Africa has made it uh, mandatory on vaccinations. Thank you, Chen.
9: Thank you very Chepesin. much. Chepesin. can I, I know that uh, vaccination is not mandatory, but what I'm saying to members, let us all uh, get vaccine, be vaccinated, uh, so that we lead by example as a country. That's what I'm saying, Chairperson. Thank you
1: very much, Honorable Members. I do note. All the points that you have raised, it starts with request for a physical meeting. When that would be is another question which I will speak to now. Number two is that there is a request that um, that members should be uh, vaccinated and I do get uh, Honorable Ismail's point about vaccination not being mandatory. Um, I think what we will do is we'll get the uh, get a writing to the uh, Chair of Chairs um, because that process is, is something that is outside of our hands. We can simply write a request and then hear what the answer would be that we receive. Um, I think we take it from that point. So, Ms. Majalamba, you would have noted how I summarise that now in terms of the writing that we will do. Thank you. honorable members, I will now go to the last item of this morning, and it has to do with the request of a study tour uh, to the UK. We are
0: very thankful for all the work that has gone in from Ms. Majalamba and the team. And a lot of work to now. Um, I've been appraised throughout and we have been talking throughout
1: about it. But unfortunately, due to the changing programme of, uh, of Parliament, we have not been approved for that particular date of the 25th of March. We could do one of two things. We can decide not to have the study to it or number two, that we postpone uh, the date of the study tour. And then if we, so number one, if we don't don't uh, have the study tour, and number two, if we postpone the study tour, I am now proposing that we restart our work on the NHI bill in line with um, the... Um, Rejection of our
0: request uh,
1: for that study. So honorable members, uh, I'm opening now. I've seen the hand of honorable Wilson. Honorable Gela, is that uh, a legacy act? Because I saw it stayed up. And then honorable Van Staden. And anyone else, please raise your hands on the platform. So I see Wilson, Van Staden, Clark in that order.
7: Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Well, look, I was the one who originally uh, raised the need to go and do this study tour, and um, we were constantly being compared, particularly with Britain, our NHI and, and the situation in Britain's, with Britain's NHS, and I felt it was very important that we go and discuss in Britain how they started, how it unfolded, what kind of... Um, uh, things they started with what what you know how it unfolded, because we keep getting compared to that, and we keep being told that that's how they did it, so I still believe this tour is very very necessary um i've done a lot of studies on this because we were going on the tour, so I don't think we will make it in this uh, um, time before we go into recess, but I do believe we definitely need to look at a date after the recess. I think
0: the study was very important. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Van Honorable
3: Wilson, story. Um, thank you, Chairperson. I, I want to agree, I don't think we must, um, while we're two is declined by the Parliament, we must, we must, um, completely throw this, this um, study to away. I think we must just postpone it to, to a later date, uh, probably when we come back from recess. Uh, we can submit our request to Parliament again. Um, yeah, it is, I just don't think we must we throw must, um, it away. I think we must still do this. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Wilson.
0: So Honourable
1: Wilson has posted on the chat group that we should ask Parliament for new, we must discuss new dates, and that we should not cancel this uh, study tour. Uh, Honourable... Thank
7: Chairperson, I did speak first. I think it was the Honourable Clark who had her hand up after me. Thank you.
1: Oh, sorry then. Honourable Clark.
5: Um, Thank you, Chairperson. I've been covered by Honourable Wilson. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. We also note uh, the suggestions by members of the portfolio committee. Ms. Majolamba and I will have a discussion and we will revert to you. Um, I'm not certain whether it will be the next meeting or the meeting after. But do not forget that I would also made a proposal that we start with the work that we had then delayed because of the study tour. So, honorable members, it will put um, an obligation on us to start with the work that we are, and I will be in discussion with the committee secretary in order for us to initiate that process again. Honorable Fassanen, is that another ad?
3: No, thank you. It's a new one. I just want to ask um, if we are looking to a new date, but we ask the the committee. Clerk, also, to just uh, get us some information if we're going to need some visas as members of Parliament to go to Britain so that we can um, arrange that, that process also to to, um, to kick off, um, if you understand what I'm saying. Thank you, Chair. Yes, I fully understand. Thank
1: you, one my start. It was going to be ready in this meeting, but we had received the letter of the of the request being declined yesterday so today we were going to ask everyone to please apply for your official passports and uh from what I understand from the committee secretary we will require a visa or visas, uh in order to do the study tour so you might as well initiate the process now those who have not applied yet for uh, an official passport please speak to the committee secretary she will assist you in order for you to, um, for that process to be sped up. And when the right moment comes, you'd also be able to assist everyone with the application of the visa. So honorable members, we, w- we will be discussing this again. I thank you very much for your participation today in this meeting. I do not think there are any other matters which we need to discuss. So therefore this meeting is then adjourned.
0: Thank you, Chair. Have a good day. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, you, Chair. Thank you, Chair. Chair. Bye-bye. Recording stopped.